We're talking bold predictions for the 2018 season, deep dives at the waiver wire, and much, much more on this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, you're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by SquadQL and MyBookie. I'm Colin Kelly and you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined today by my co-host, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, as always, Mr. Sean Siegel. We are ready for week one, we're going to be breaking things down and uh, I'm really excited for week one, I'm sure Sean is too. So Sean, week one is here, is it? Is it hard to believe at this stage? Are you, are you ready for it? I'm ready. The drafts are, are mostly in. Obviously, plenty of, of high-stakes drafts still to go. I know uh, some recreational leagues going last night. I hope some more tonight as well. But you know, we're right there. The, the season is upon us, and, and we've got some bold predictions and all of your last-minute uh, articles and info that you need uh, looking at on the show today. Yeah, and speaking of some last-minute advice, that's what me and myself and Dave Cabin will be doing this week. We've had up uh, two shows so far with the Road of His Live over there with Patreon, and of course, it's airing each week on Shindig. It is on from 11 a.m. Eastern, so it just gets you that little uh, bit. In case you have any doubts about your team, any thoughts about your DFS entries, uh, just all the questions that you have. And it's been a lot of fun talking with uh, the guys who have watched in so far. So that is a Road of His Live, and it is available through the Patreon page. And the Patreon ships are starting from just six dollars. Per month so that gives you all the podcasts that you get for free here on a weekly basis uh, 11 or 12 each week that we're doing and then also gets you that road of his live uh, to watch that and get you ready for all the action just before kickoffs on sunday so uh, I, I highly recommend you go and check that out it's been a lot of fun doing it and uh, it's just it's just been a fun time so be ready this sunday week one and uh, road of his live also, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off of all of our Rotoviz NFL content right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. The season is almost here. Make sure you're ready. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. Uh, get amazing value and support the podcast network. So the first thing we're looking at this week is the dumpster dives. And this was a favorite article of mine last year, looking into some people. You know, sometimes week one, maybe we're not too bad. We've uh, drafted there like in the last week or so. So our lineup should be kind of what we wanted. Uh, a couple of injuries, but not too many over the last week. But when we look at uh, dump, dumpster diving, deep waiver pickups, uh, usually week three, week four, week five, they become really, really important to try and get those guys on your roster. But Philip Caldwell has up a piece this week looking at week one case. You know, some people... There, there's leagues that i'm in and believe it or not we drafted before the nfl draft this year uh for redraft league so some of those lineups are looking a little bit checkered now i have a couple of eric decker shares in some of them so i might be looking for some wide receiver help but looking at a couple of interesting uh, candidates on this one luke wilson is somebody who i mentioned on the road of his life podcast uh, or the road of his life show this past week and i was talking about it's gonna be interesting to see if he does get a fair work share there and uh, Detroit we're talking about the situation uh, we've kind of talked about Galladay and then obviously you have Tate uh, and and Marvin Jones there but when you look at it Luke Wilson somebody who's coming in and Eric Ebron has left uh, so there is those target shares there at the tight end position but he is at the moment less than one percent Owen so uh, what's your thoughts on uh, somebody like Wilson heading and I, I've added him as a dart throw in a couple of you know leagues particularly in the FFPC format where tight end has a premium right and so you mentioned it that he is owned in fewer than one percent of leagues however 
uh, if you're in a tight end premium format, this is a guy you definitely want to at least have on your watch list. He never had more than 40 targets with the Seahawks, but Russell Wilson uh, did average 8.8 adjusted yards per attempt when throwing to him. So he was fairly efficient. And now we look at a situation where outside of Doug Baldwin, most of these Seahawks guys have been efficient, but have not flourished on volume within that offense. And then when they go to other places, maybe have more success, those offenses, uh, while perhaps less efficient, also have more volume for the receiving options. He goes and he gets Matthew Stafford. So that's not a big downgrade at quarterback, perhaps even an upgrade, again, in terms of that idea of really courting the volume and as you mentioned, the Lions have absolutely no one at tight end there. He does have a little bit of an injury question. The Lions did keep a lot of tight ends, although the rest of them are not really um, a big immediate threat, you wouldn't think, if he is healthy. But that's certainly a depth chart you want to look at. So whether it's Wilson or someone else, if you're in a tight end premium league, you're probably wanting to stash a guy now and then looking to maybe make a change after week one if we get new information there. Yeah, and when you look at somebody like Wilson, it's not a, sometimes it's not just you're not playing on the talent, you're playing on the opportunity. And while Luke Wilson has some had some nice plays throughout his career, he's not somebody who's really flashed to me personally and stood out as a you know a massive potential. But when some tight ends take that little bit to develop, I always look at the year three, year four, and year five to see how they develop. And then he's getting that opportunity to move team and have uh, a bigger bigger target share. And I think uh, in this case, it could be something that becomes a huge value over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the other one here, obviously, Austin Eckler's in this list, and we've have touched him in a couple of shows here so we're not going to touch too much on him but uh, the news this week with justin jackson getting cut uh, from the chargers obviously helped his situation but the other one on it is dd westbrook we've talked about marquis lee a couple of times obviously he's got injured now dante moncrief's there uh, you know it's gonna be an interesting situation to see how it all breaks down in jacksonville keenan cole is uh you know b- bumping up draft boards at the minute but dd westbrook is somebody who missed the start of last season there was a lot of hype around him in terms of dynasty and in terms of being a young player who could make that jump to the nfl but he is less than 10 percent owned at the moment uh, and if you look at what he did last year from that kind of late part of the season where he did come back from injury after week 11 he had 22 percent off the receiving target market so i think he's somebody who's going to become a value everyone's obviously going towards keaton cole but i think dd westbrook is the one out of the two that has you know in terms of talent and it's hard always to get talent to turn into production but i think he is the guy there that we could see later in the season have a big big role well both of those guys were coming off of college seasons that were really just spectacular to the level that's that's almost never achieved with Westbrook there. You have essentially the best uh, receiver in college football uh, with Keelan Cole. You have a guy who is coming off of uh, three consecutive seasons with massive production at a lower level, a 52% market share on well over a thousand yards receiving as a senior. I mean, he was their whole offense. The defense knew he was coming, uh, still couldn't stop him, jumps to the NFL level. And despite this very large leap in competition, he handled it fine, really looked like a star. And so I think that Cole is the guy I would be targeting, but with his ADP really jumping, Westbrook then does become very interesting. As Philip points out in his article, he had a 22% market share uh, from week 11 on when he really emerged or had a chance in that offense. Now, he didn't turn those targets into uh, the type of very obvious production that you might have liked that Cole did on occasion, but his target volume was right there with Cole and with Lee. Now, with Lee gone, 
you know, you have an opening. Obviously, Dante Moncrief is there. DJ Chark is there. Um, it's an interesting depth chart, and you have these these questions with Blake Bortles. But another interesting point that, that Philip made is that Bortles averaged uh, four more fantasy points a game when Westbrook played. So there's at least some circumstantial evidence there to suggest that he affects the offense in a positive way, you know, opens the field up for others, even uh, if not for himself in, in some of those situations. So very likely that he can play off of Cole in a way that allows him to be successful and that offense to be successful. So certainly in that last round, you know, if you're in a 16 team league, uh, he is, or I mean, a 16 roster spot format, then he would be someone you'd be looking at there. Yeah. And I think myself and you probably fall on the opposite side. I know I've been tough on Cole this off season. I know looking at the college production, it is there. I think we probably fall on two opposite sides here uh, in terms of who we'd rather to Cole and Westbrook. Maybe this is one that we should uh, have a, a prediction. I'm, I'll, I'll go with Westbrook finishing the season with more fantasy points than Cole. Are you happy to take the other side of that? I am, and and certainly I get I get the advantage there. So I think I should also go on record as saying that Cole will be a wide receiver too this season. Well, that's uh, it's going to be interesting. Now, that's what's so exciting because we can talk all off season. We get our kind of own opinions, our own evaluations, and then once week one starts, it obviously comes down to seeing what's happening and what does uh, turn out to be true. So this is the part I always love, just when the anticipation builds uh, and it gets very very exciting. So the last couple of weeks here on the show, we've been brought to you by Squad QL. I've been talking about the, the fantastic app they have and the unfair advantage it really gives you over your teammates. And this is a perfect time now to be using it because the season is here. You need to be ready to set those lineups. And if you're like me, you're in a lot of leagues and you need to set a lot of lineups. Uh, the Squad QL app is perfect to help you set multiple lineups in a, a very nice and efficient manner. SquadQL helps recommend the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may also ask, how does it actually do this? Well, the app, it connects to all the leagues you're in from Yahoo to ESPN to CBS, pulls in your actual roster and the league scoring systems, which I think is always the most important thing to know what you're doing with the league scoring systems. And SquadQL provides waiver wire and trade recommendations. Plus, the app also gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league's settings. SquadQL is truly the go-to app for the fantasy football season, and you can head to squadql.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. It is also brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, and that is one that all the DFS players out there will know. It's trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for both Apple and Android. So, Sean, let's get into the third quarter of the show, looking at an article that you did this week, and it was to trade for these five late-round wide receivers before it's too late. And I do agree with pretty much all of these guys, so I'm going to let you take the floor first and talk about it, and then maybe I'll bump in with some thoughts after. But take the floor and uh, explain your findings uh, in this latest one. Yeah, well, let's focus on two players in particular, and first, the bounce-back candidate. And for that, I have Tyrell Williams with the Chargers. Larry Anders recently wrote what I've considered to be the must-read column on this topic, and he pointed out that a lot of what we assume about wide receiver bounce backs are not actually true. Now, people tend to focus on players who are injured, thinking that once they're healthy again, that will really help boost them back to their normal level. He talks about how we know that efficiency is not particularly sticky, and so people will take inefficient players, hoping that their efficiency bounces back. And both of these things he, he's found uh, have not been successful in locating bounce backs this century. So when we're looking at the best way to go, what he suggests, both successes and failures lose opportunity in the year they decline, but they also underperform those expectations in the year they decline. 
but the failures underperform to a much, much larger degree. In other words, not only do efficient players tend to bounce back more often, but many of the most successful bounce backs are actually able to maintain their efficiency even while their total scoring declines by 50 points or more. So looking at Williams, he's, he's an interesting fellow because he had 119 targets in 2016. That dropped to 69 uh, last year, and we saw his total number of points plummet. But while his expected points... So the points based on his volume and field position, that kind of thing, dropped by over 90 points. His points scored over expectation actually jumped from 19.7 to 35.1. So he really fits perfectly in this group of players who maintained efficiency even while they declined. And Williams has several other things going for him in that he broke out in his second season. Players from that cohort tend to go on to much better NFL careers than players who break out later. He also is in this good situation where the Chargers really are pretty empty at tight end. They've made some moves recently, Antonio Gates back, that kind of thing, to try and shore up that position. But we can expect the targets to be really distributed across those three wide receivers with Keenan Allen obviously being the star and then the two Williamses fighting for those secondary targets. There actually could be enough volume there for both players. And I know that you're targeting one guy over the other. That is an interesting one, Sean, but I want to get your thoughts first on the Chargers offense as a whole. Uh, over the last couple of days, I've been looking at it. So pretty much when they get inside the red zone with the height they're going to have across the board uh, with the pass catching receivers here, uh, are they going to be pretty much unstoppable in that red zone? Well, I, I would like to think so, since I have a lot of ownership in all three of these wide receivers. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, is an undervalued running back. This could be the year where he really goes and has the type of season Todd Gurley had last year. We talk uh, constantly about Eckler and how if he were to get a bigger role, that you know he could be a star in his own right. So I think there is a lot of potential there. Uh, also in this division there is a lot of competition and the chiefs the broncos should be tough opponents those games lend themselves to the potential for shootouts and so i like the chargers to take a step forward but certainly you know we'd like them to prove it on the field they were very talented last year and uh found a way to lose in, in so many of their different games so if we can see a different tyrell williams a different mike williams this season that will definitely make a big difference in terms of what the entire offense is able to do. I have think this offense has the potential to be one of the, if not uh, one off the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And we talk about the Denver Broncos from a couple of years back, we might think of, uh, you know, the situation and how good they were, but I think there is concerns over that defense heading into this year. I expect the Oakland Raiders, obviously now they've moved Khalil Mack. I think they'll struggle this year in terms of defense. And then the Chiefs, who we did kind of talk about their defense two or three years ago as well, has been very strong. I think the best defense in this division as well is also the Chargers. So I think this team could be really, really a high scoring offense this year and garden as well with that defense behind them if they get leads that can help him can help Eckler I just think as a whole uh, the Chargers are somebody who I, I think uh, are very very exciting this year and I've, I've bought a lot into their offense as a whole uh, heading into it uh, obviously they're missing out on the the tight end and Hunter Henry but it's it's going to be an exciting season I believe for the LA Chargers fans and I'm still getting used to uh, if I did name drop uh, San Diego I'm still getting used to the LA Chargers part of it but the other the other player that stood out to me Sean 
in terms of a rookie breakout that was christian kirk uh, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago but the opportunity you kind of larry fitzgerald there as the main target they're expecting then we have david johnson as well that is obviously predicted to have a, a huge workload there but outside of that you know you're looking at guys like ricky seedless jones uh, so there is a, an opportunity there for the rookie to come in and have an immediate impact and i i think that uh, there's a good strong potential opportunity that i've been targeting him in quite a number of my drafts i've actually uh, over the last few weeks and particularly in best ball leagues i've been uh, drafting sam bradford very very late on uh, i'm surprised as to how late he was going i think it might have been because people thought that he might lose that starting job but he had a, a pretty solid preseason so i think with him there uh, you know with larry fitzgerald it'll open up some chances as well for kirk so i know he's somebody that you're very very interested in for 2018 yeah so we we've tended to talk about dj Moore as being the clear-cut star from this draft and i think that will turn out to be the case uh, but there are also some other interesting players and it at this point it is interesting to follow what is happening in drafts you're seeing michael gallup you're seeing anthony miller go very early obviously they're in good situations but they do not score as well in the models which obviously does not mean <laughs> that they can't have good seasons uh, players overcome what their median projection is all the time however there are some players who you can get even a little bit later who have just crazy potential especially at their adp so we have to see people like christian kirk and Cortland sutton both of them i think have some potential to be this year's juju smith schuster where really the main thing that's keeping them from going much much earlier maybe like a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick especially in these formats that are very wide receiver heavy What's holding them back is that final season, which was the same thing for Smith-Schuster. But like Smith-Schuster, they broke out early. Kirk had over 1,000 yards receiving as a freshman at Texas A&M, key role on special teams. And while he never took the next step to true stardom at the college level, he didn't collapse either. And he checks those boxes we're looking for in terms of people who outperform their reality draft position. And that's an early breakout and then an early declare for the draft. You mentioned the opportunity. That's excellent. Also, uh, for anyone wanting to you know, dive into this a little bit more, John Lipinski had an excellent article on the site this week looking at this entire uh, rookie class of wide receivers. And what he found and what he was pointing out is that this class is historically undervalued in terms of what they bring to the table and where they're being picked, both in dynasty leagues and in redraft leagues. So even if you don't like Kirk, my recommendation would be to find the guy you like and try and add some of those rookie wide receivers specifically the guys who were in that uh, second round range uh, in the reality draft and had good production in college because those guys are undervalued now compared to what they've gone at in almost any other season load up on them now uh, you should be able to profit in a couple of months think sean that falls into the narrative you know that this draft here is so strong in terms of the running back class that was kind of preached from pretty much uh, 18 months ago it kept being talked about running backs running backs running backs and then when it gets to the stage people are in that mindset they're trying to get those running backs on their rosters we've seen it like the 2014 uh, year really did kind of change the perspective for some people in terms of rookie wide receivers and then obviously in the years following 2015 2016 it hasn't really worked out we've seen guys you know james white uh you know i mentioned mike evan or mike williams not playing much last year we've seen josh docks and you know there's just so many and the list has gone on and on from kind of 2015 on that they haven't really had that impact as a year one rookie and i think then that's probably the narrative has changed to these players becoming such a value later on in drafts and i think that's the perfect time to try and scoop them up and obviously if you're looking at some of these rookies and the kind of upside that they could provide versus a veteran in that 14th 15th round that really is capped on the upside side of things we kind of know what they can do i think it makes far more sense to take that 
upshot ticket on uh, one of those rookies and have an opportunity there is that kind of the same view that you would have on that i think so you you certainly want to um try and benefit in small ways each year from the overreaction to yeah. the previous season now we had several seasons where the young wide receivers have not performed uh, that doesn't mean that they won't yeah you know, we saw juju schuster that can get lost a little bit you want to get the next guy that falls into that category and you want to use the evidence to look for them which is why we mentioned kirk why we mentioned sutton uh, those players have just this extreme ability right now where they're in position to outperform by quite a bit and so especially when your risk at the point that they're going in drafts is minimal i strongly recommend loading up on them uh, trading for them in a few places you know trying to add them to the back of your roster in shallower leagues and see if that plays out yeah and it's interesting like if you look at just those uh, drafts over the last couple of years particularly in the first round just the the way that the wide receivers have like curtis samuel spent most of last year injured uh just going through some of the guys just over and over john ross was injured uh talking about brashad perryman like there's just so many guys who haven't clicked and that's just names coming <laughs> that i'm thinking at the top of my head so it's gonna be uh, there's always gonna be that overreaction and then you can pick up that value there and i think that's the key the other players that you've mentioned are mike wallace and also uh, ryan grant and tyler boyd all who we have kind of touched on uh, a little bit more in depth in a couple of the shows recently so uh, i think if you if you want to hear more about them and you haven't heard us discuss them it's probably better to jump back and listen to that back catalog because uh, those are all players that we did talk about in depth and i still think are uh, very very big values at the point that they're going i think they're uh, you know ones that you really need to be jumping into all right colin let's call a quick time out here before we go to the fourth quarter we mentioned lipinski he's got a bunch of our awesome articles on the site he was able to get his man versus machine article up which uses the draft dashboard he's drafting against the machine there, trying to fight off in his draft instead of the terminators he's going against johnny five which seems like maybe uh, an interesting choice there but he mentioned that and, and one of the flexibilities of the draft dashboard, which makes it so awesome, is that it does give you different drafts as opposed to always giving you the exact same thing in the mock. And so in his draft, David Johnson actually fell to him at number six. Now, one of the reasons why I like this and like this functionality is because this kind of thing actually is happening. I've seen David Johnson go number six. I actually know of some drafts where he went number eight, number nine. Well, that seems crazy it is happening and this is a great year for the first round so maybe it's not quite as absurd as it would have been in most seasons especially with some of the questions that still are there in arizona but for me he gets johnson he comes back in the second round he gets rob gronkowski uh, arguably the two best position players in the entire nfl now i think antonio brown uh, would certainly have a potential complaint you know julio jones some of those guys but a david johnson rob gronkowski start you maybe have the two best players in the nfl what's your favorite start in terms of round one round two uh, i've seen a start of deandre hopkins and julio jones that start i think in uh, wide receiver heavy leagues certainly not unbeatable obviously you're playing with the whole roster but when you're starting hopkins jones you have this massive head start on the field what's the best start that you've seen or your favorite start in drafts yeah so i've had a like you mentioned there the hopkins and jones have a couple of those uh with like a lot of leagues if you're drafting maybe uh 10th or 11th i've seen that pop up uh you mentioned with the draft simulator given the different options too i've seen uh, that happened in a couple of leagues i haven't been lucky enough to get david johnson of it dropped a little bit later but uh, i have taken him sometimes at the start of that first round but that is a nice start with the the johnson versus gronk but uh the one that i've really hit on a couple of times is drafting kind of around that 
uh, kind of eight spot, uh, eight or nine, and uh, I've been able to uh, get OBJ and then hit on Gronk in the second round. So while uh, I would like to have David Johnson in some leagues, uh, more leagues than I would have him, I have been able to start that with you know OBJ and Gronk and, and quite a number of leagues, maybe four or five in my best ball league. So I think that's like if you're if you're talking about it's really the situation this year with the running backs going so early that has allowed that because over the last three or four years you certainly would be thinking that obj would be a top five pick and wouldn't be falling to the back of the first round so i really do think that the wide receiver value is extremely high at the end of that first round this year and that, that would probably be mine hitting on you know you kind of mentioned david johnson and gronk could be the best two in the terms of their production at their positions and then i think you can definitely argue that obj could be the top wide receiver this year as well yeah and, and one of the things you point out there is that the running backs are pushing some people down certainly i think that we have some very big talents at running back at the same time uh, you're going to be hard pressed to see people in that top five picks who are actually uh, a bigger talent or better player than beckham and especially with what we know about the turnover at the running back position you know some of those things that contribute to uh, some of the principles behind zero running back i think when you can take talents like beckham in that portion of the draft and not have exposure to those running backs it's very difficult to lose in those scenarios and uh, what's kind of making those bold predictions we're going to be looking at an article actually focusing on bold predictions uh, in the next segment but before that you know there's a great new feature out i know a lot of the people a lot of the listeners last year were using my bookie they are my preferred option in terms of sports books but when you look at some of the new stuff they've on you can obviously do your uh, normal bet and spreads but you can also now do it from a fantasy side and you can do your pro- projections for if you think a certain player is going to have over a certain amount of yards over a certain amount of fantasy points you can do all that now at my book and i highly uh, would recommend it because i think it's just another way to add a lot of fun to those sunday afternoons while you're watching the game and uh, with my bookie for this season yet again we have teamed up with them and if you use the code rotoviz when you are setting up an account they will match you with up to a hundred percent bonus for signing up i would highly recommend obviously when you're getting 100 percent on top of anything like we're trying to get 100 percent on top of our adps here uh, and make it make a killing when we're jumping into our drafts i recommend as well with my bookie to get that 100 percent bonus with the code rotoviz if you're betting and you're betting against the spread as I mentioned there if you're doing some props and even now if you're doing the, the fantasy angle as well they have you all covered over there at my bookie the website is mybookie.ag and again that code is rotoviz enter it while setting up a new account and get yourself that 100 sign up bonus all right speaking of bold predictions we move into the fourth quarter and we're going to look at some bold predictions from court smith he wrote the bold prediction articles for us last year the weekly article that was uh, such a big reader favorite and so he's back with some full season predictions before he moves into the week by week picks and uh, the first one i think jumps just really jumps off the board there because it references the season from last year that is still so fresh in everyone's minds and that's alvin Kamara with 826 rookie receiving yards at the running back position now terry kirby had 874 receiving yards in 1993 but for the era we have covered with the screener uh the area that the era that most of our readers and listeners are probably familiar with Kamara set a new mark last year and as a result of that he's being drafted in the middle of the first round there with Barkley right at his heels and Barkley is this prospect who uh, you know because of, of the times we live in and, and I love it I am more guilty of this than almost anyone 
but every guy is the best or the most or something to that effect. But when you're talking about Saquon Barkley, you're talking about potentially the best running back prospect ever. And one of the things he brings to the table is this elite receiving ability. Colin, what are the chances that he could actually go beyond 826 receiving yards this year? You know, when we talk about these projections and we're thinking about going ahead and how he could be and he could finish up in five, six years with, you know, being the best running back that we've ever seen coming out of college. But when you look at it, if you look at that sample size that you mentioned and pretty much Alvin Kamara was the first to do it, the chance that it gets, you know, broken or the same again in 2018 is slim. But when you look at the talent that Barkley has, there's certainly an opportunity to do it. To do it, he's going to really have to, you know, he's going to have to hit i would imagine and around 85 receptions for the year so he's going to have to have around 110 targets uh, with the situation in new york where you have uh, you know evan ingram you have odell who's going to command a huge amount of that target share it's just going to be interesting to see if he does get that amount of targets uh, again I, I have huge concerns about Eli manning going into the season uh, with his arm and what he can do but again uh, those dump off passes probably aren't going to be too much of an issue to, to make it get to uh, saquon but i am fascinated to see how he does this year breaking uh, those records obviously it's why it's a bold predictions article it's going to be tough to do anytime you do it but if you look in terms of talent when the season started last year what we thought of alvin kamara versus what we think of saquon barkley if you were picking one at the start of a season based on your perception then you'd certainly think saquon barkley had the bigger opportunity to do it so why do i think he may come close i think the the cap on uh, receptions is probably what's going to slow him down how do you feel in terms of what he's going to do you know if you look back over the years, like Reggie Bush in 2006 had 88 receptions, Christian McCaffrey last year who had a monster uh, target workload in terms of 113 targets, 80 receptions, and that Duke Johnson's uh, top year was 2015 was 62. You know, we haven't seen a lot of running backs hit over that 80 in their first year. What's your thoughts uh, as to how many targets he could get this year? Well, uh, one of the reasons why this prediction really jumped out to me is that it it's very interesting from the perspective of what it tells us about Barkley and what it tells us about the rest of the team. The one thing is just, it gives you a good feel for why people are picking a running back who is unproven at the NFL level. Obviously with plenty of reason to believe he'll succeed, but unproven and in an offense that has a poor quarterback, you know, how can that player be going ahead of Kareem hunt ahead of Melvin Gordon, ahead of Christian McCaffrey, ahead of those guys? Well, you know, when you look at this potential receiving numbers, then, you know, you start to get a sense of, of why that could happen because certainly Barkley is going to have more carries than Kamara had. It's going to have more carries than Christian McCaffrey had. At the same time, this is a demoralizing prediction. If you own Beckham, like you talked about a minute ago with your favorite start, it's a demoralizing prediction if you own Evan Ingram because this offense is simply not going to have that many balls, that many balls go around. And it's certainly possible because you think of what happened last year with Drew Brees disappointing uh, in New Orleans with the receivers there outside of Michael Thomas being completely wiped out by what they were doing in the passing game with the running backs if the giants peripheral receivers are wiped out in the same way then uh, i think the effect that he has on other players is perhaps just as relevant as his own numbers in terms of this particular conversation yeah that's absolutely true like in terms of if we have see a similar situation with what the saints did last year we could see odell still get his work but we would see just the the bottom fallout completely in terms of ingram and sterling shepherd so it, it is one of those ones like it's i can't see uh, in any circumstance that this offense is going to be the most explosive in the league even though they have two of the most explosive tr- playmakers and possibly when you look at Eng- ingram as a tight end another one in there so i i just think it's gonna be hard for him to hit but i don't think it's out of the range of possibility but if i was saying you know percentage wise i probably would give it you know a 20 percent chance that it, it might occur and which is still 
a pretty high chance when you're looking at a bold prediction. Uh, when you look at the other ones he's mentioned, he's talked about JJ and Alex Collins and having them outscore uh, Delvin Cook. And when you look at it, he has mentioned that he's it's based on volume. Uh, with Delvin Cook this year, I think, uh, obviously my concern is that he had basically, I think it was a five-game stretch last year before the injury. Uh, he has Latavius Murray behind him, who I thought was much better last year than people give him credit for uh, in the role that he had. But when you look at JJ and Alex Collins and talking about it uh, in terms of a bet on volume, I'm a little bit concerned about Alex Collins long term in terms of I think that uh, there's an opportunity for Kenneth Dixon if he does come back and perform well that he could slot in eventually in midseason as a potential uh, running back uh, to take over there. The other one with JJ I'm just a little bit unsure as to how the Eagles are going to manage him in terms of you know the concerns over his knee over the years and then with the the running backs that are in there behind him at the moment with Corey Clement and then Darren Sproles coming back so it's going to be interesting to see how both of those you know progress as the season goes on uh I think that uh, Dalvin Cook in my opinion uh will outscore both of those uh would you think which side are you on are you on uh the side there uh with him or are you on my side <laughs> Well, Ajayi has raised, I think, as many questions as he's yeah. given answers uh, in his short NFL career. And then you throw in the injury concerns, the fact that they do have some other backs on the roster. And beginning the season, really with a lot of turmoil with Wentz and Jeffrey not being uh, in the offense and the potential for the offense to not be as explosive as we saw at the end of last year certainly alex collins i think is a is a very intriguing guy when he came out of college i wrote an article explaining that if you liked mark ingram and i i don't at the level most people do but if you like mark ingram you should love alex collins because collins is basically the exact same guy perhaps with a little bit more juice to him and that looked silly after he has that first year where uh, makes no impact with the seahawks but then uh, the Seahawks are just, they're, they're this very weird team where a lot of people flourish there. And a lot of people, as soon as they get out, all of a sudden, yeah. they look like much better players. And Collins certainly fit into that latter category. And I mean, he, he looks like Mark Ingram without the competition. So when you think in, in terms of where Collins is going, where Ingram is going in drafts, and the fact that one player uh, is competing with Alvin Kamara and is suspended, and the other player is competing with guys like Allen and Dixon, um, Collins, I think, is locked into a very good workload there. Now, my problem is simply that I'm not that interested in taking running backs in rounds three through five who don't have also this extremely high upside in terms of receivers. I don't know that, that Collins has that. But the questions with Cook and, and what Court pointed out in his article a little bit is we have this very small sample to balance out all of the concerns that we had last summer. Now, I think that the concerns we had last summer were probably not valid. And so having him go out there and look so good in the preseason and then very quickly have several big games, you know, that may be enough to put it to rest. But certainly with him maybe not being back to 100% and being able to run the offense with Latavius Murray, like he said, you know, his, his upside, I think, is not in the level that maybe his ADP also suggests, which is one of the reasons why a guy like McCaffrey has jumped him in, in recent weeks. Yeah, and for anyone that doesn't know about Alex Collins, uh, he's kind of gone viral a couple of times here in Ireland because uh, he actually does Irish dancing to help improve his uh, footwork. So there's a couple of videos out there that have gone viral of him 
uh, dancing with like you know 12 or 13 year old girls and showing showing his footwork that he's been able to develop so i should have a more of a root and interest in him uh, but at the moment it's just not a not an angle i've been taking i've been targeting some of the the wide receivers uh, down there in baltimore at the moment but looking through some of the rest of them is trey burton is a top five tight end uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what the bears do obviously they made a splash move for khalil mack this past week but uh, what's your thoughts on trey burton uh you know hitting into that top echelon of uh, tight, tight end sorry for for the season well, Burton makes for a better pick at his ADP, I think, than someone like Anthony Miller. Miller is a guy I love, but starting to move into that range where probably there's more downside than upside. That's not exactly the case in that, you know, he's still going in that range where it's wide receiver 50 to wide receiver 60. You know, you don't have a ton of downside risk probably at those prices. But Trey Burton also don't have to use this really premium pick in most leagues going in that round six to round nine range. And you look at that offense, if Allen Robinson is not 100% and we're starting to get uh, more and more hints that maybe he is not, or at least that he will not be polished and sharp as the season starts with the injury to Shaheen, the other big tight end there, uh, Burton has a lot of potential volume in an offense where I think they're going to have to pass more than maybe they would like. And with them doing that, him being the dump off target, also uh, a stretch the field sort of tight end target. You know, we could see these first couple of weeks, him come out, have double digit targets and suddenly be, you know, not traded at like a Travis Kelsey, um, Zach Ertz level, but starting to really close the gap quickly. We're going to do a little bit of bold predictions of our own. So let's get into overtime. Talk some bold predictions that are up on the site, but it's time maybe as the season is at, it's kind of, it's a bit like uh, Christmas Eve here. We're sitting ready for the season, waiting to open all those presents on Sunday or even on Thursday, watching the the, the early game in the week. But uh, let's give uh, the listeners a bold prediction that we uh, think that could come to fruition in, in 2018. So I'll let you have the floor first. Well, 2018 is going to be the year of Gronk. He's going to score 21 touchdowns breaking his personal best of 17, surpassing Sterling Sharp's 18, and challenging the all-time single-season record holders, uh, Jerry Rice at 22, and then the very top Randy Moss with those same New England Patriots at 23. Rock is going to go down to the last couple of weeks, needing three or four more touchdowns, finish just short, but his 21 touchdowns are going to be the best all-time for a tight end and lead his fantasy owners to championships. I guess Sean, if he does hit those targets, we're going to be sitting pretty at the end of the year with all those uh, early Gronk uh, pickups uh, in our drafts. Yeah, all the all the Gronk owners are going to be very, very happy. There's a, a straightforward way to play the target vacuum in New England and the fact that their offense is still going to be explosive, and that is Rob Gronkowski. Clem, I know you have a favorite bounce-back player, and he features in your bold prediction. Yeah, and we talked. I kind of touched on it a couple of weeks ago. I kind of said it, and after the show, I kind of dug into it a little bit more to see if I really still believed in it. And that was Amari Cooper having the potential to be the wide receiver one on this NFL season. And we talked earlier a little bit, Sean. You mentioned about the bounce back candidates and what goes into that. And while players don't always bounce back, the first two years that Amari Cooper had in the NFL in terms of uh, first two rookie years are really up there. Uh, in terms of talent so he had the 2015 season and then he had the 2016 season uh, 72 and 83 receptions both over a thousand
1,000 yards. And in those years, he had six touchdowns and five. And then last year, he had seven. So he hasn't hit the double-digit touchdown mark yet. But I believe uh, in this season that he can hit that mark. I think there's going to be a step forward in the Oakland uh, offense. Uh, not a big Jared Cook guy. Jordy Nelson, uh, we'll see what he can provide to this offense itself. But uh, I'm excited to see what uh, he has done. And since uh, the last three or four weeks, I've really started to uh, kind of put go all in on Cooper in terms of uh, my drafts and I've picked him up in pretty much every spot that I could in those leagues so I think uh, bouncing back to over a thousand yards again this season is certainly uh, you know that he's done it in two out of three years I think he's going to do it in three out of four years and I also think that he's going to have double digit touchdown I think with that it can catapult him to that wide receiver number one overall spot in 2018 so we do do bold predictions Sean because they're they're bold obviously and the chances of them happening may be slim but I'm pretty confident in the two that we mentioned, but I'm interested. Uh, I can I obviously agree with you on Gronk, but on Cooper, are you uh, have you any interest in Cooper this year? Do you think I'm I'm on the wrong track, or how do you feel about that? No, Cooper is a very intriguing player, right at the spot where perhaps you're going to be also looking at Juju Smith Schuster, where you're going to be looking at Jarvis Landry. We talk a lot about well, who will be this year is Todd Gurley. You, know, you think of Todd Gurley in 2016, uh, almost impossibly inefficient and inefficient to the point where you know we were receiving submissions to the site about how Todd Gurley is overrated as a talent uh certainly people who felt like he was maybe more of a straight line guy and a little bit overrated coming into the NFL definitely were on the Todd Gurley is overrated bandwagon and or just pointing out that you know he may not have the level of talent to overcome an offense like that well in focusing on who will be the 2017 Todd Gurley, this player who explodes from one of the least efficient players in the NFL to the most efficient players in the NFL, and then obviously sees his scoring potential rise as a result of the offense functioning better in many cases due to his own exploits, right? Maybe it's not a running back. Maybe it is a wide receiver, and maybe that wide receiver is Amari Cooper. You have the new offense coming in. You have better coaching coming in. You have the guy who everyone believed was a star and has that star talent. You know, Cooper, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit healthier and more explosive in the bottom half. You know, suddenly you have Amari Cooper as 2018's Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. And I know it takes a stretch to get there, but uh, Todd Gurley was somebody who has gone off the board and then kind of top four picks two years ago. Uh, and then obviously had a, a really down season. And then last year was going kind of that late second round, early third round, and obviously had a, a monster, monster year. And we see how that changes this year with him back at the top of the first round. So I think we could easily, I could easily write a scenario where we see uh, Cooper at that kind of heading off in the end of the late first round next year based on what he does this year and that, that's my expectation so Sean with that it's going to wrap it up uh, it's been fun on this show I've really enjoyed it uh, of course this Sunday is the start of the NFL uh, I guess the regular season outside of this Thursday but Sundays are where it's at for me in terms of watching uh, games on a, a larger scale basis and uh, with that we have Road of His Live which will be on at 11am Eastern to get all your teams set up myself and Dave Cabin bringing that to you so make sure you check that out available through the patreon page and also if you want you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel who you can find on twitter at ff underscore contrarian i hope you really enjoy the first week of the season we'll be back next week to recap it and to decide how we should progress for the rest of the season how our thoughts may have changed over that opening weekend so until we're back with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us 
via email on rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.